You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today we're going to talk about raising readers. But before we do that, we wanted to remind you all that we're giving away an instant pot to celebrate our first year of podcasting with you, our listeners. So if you want to enter, you can go to our website and find the giveaway post, which at this point will be one down from the Raising Readers post. The instructions are there for how to enter, but we're just asking you to leave a comment with your favorite friendlier episode, a topic you'd like us to cover in the future, and either a recipe or book recommendation. The giveaway is going to close at midnight on Halloween. Very spooky. (laughs) And then we will draw a random winner. Okay, now let's catch up on life lately. Sarah, what's been happening with you? Earlier this month, we celebrated E's third birthday. We kept it really low-key, and it was just our family. She wanted to eat butter and chocolate for her birthday, so (laughs) we arranged that. She had a chocolate cake with sprinkles and blueberries, but no frosting. The no frosting part was very distressing to HP, who felt like it was not a true birthday cake without the frosting. I feel like that would have been a good way to get the butter in there, too. Mm, That's true. It would have. There was lots of butter in the cake. (laughs) And for her birthday, she had been asking for a purple pedal bike. And of course, we did not want to buy a new pedal bike for her because we had one that Mm -hmm. we were planning to pass down to her. But we figured... We can make that purple. And Neil got a can of spray paint. And it's a little tricky because you can't just spray paint the bike as there's all these components and different things. So Neil covered everything up with plastic. And the front half of the bike was green or had a green design on it. Mm -hmm. And so to make it look integrated with the way he had to tape around the different parts, left a little green piece. And so he made a vine design with leaves growing out of it to try and make it look really integrated. That's so cool. It turned out awesome. He also put a little E on the chain guard for it. So now she has her own personalized bike. She is definitely not ready to ride it right now, (laughs) but (laughs) that did not stop her from wanting it or being excited about it. And I'm sure in the spring and next summer, she'll be really ready to rock it. I love that. So celebrating with her was really fun. And three to me feels like a big marker Mm. that it feels like we're ending those baby toddler years. She's now potty trained. She's generally sleeping better. She's just feels like as a family, that stage of our life is ending now. Mm -hmm. Full on preschooler. Yeah. So it was fun to celebrate her and to sort of mark that change in our family. Nice. Unrelated to birthday celebrations. I have a second life lately, which is that I have recently been on two podcasts. So if listeners want to check that out, I was on the Sarah R. Bagley podcast back in August and the Cohesive Home podcast earlier this month. And we'll be sure to link to those in the show notes if you want to give that a listen. What's been happening with you, Abby? So this weekend, Andrew and Plum and I took a trip to Minnesota to visit family. So fun. It was amazing. It was the perfect fall weekend to be there. The colors were probably at their best, which was just incredibly beautiful. We ate amazing food, including the best Brussels sprouts of my life, which we ate once and then went back to the same place (laughs) to eat them again. It was also really nice to have so many adults around Mm -hmm. to help with Plum. Yes. I have had a little bit of vacation come down this week, 
Yes. Because it's just me cleaning all the things and making sure everybody eats. Now let's move on to talk about what we've been reading. Sarah, what's your latest read? I recently finished The Nicks by Nathan Hill. It is a contemporary fiction novel. It's similar to things written by Jonathan Franzen or Jeffrey Eugendes. And this one follows the story of a boy named Samuel and his mother. It's divided, I think, into seven parts, and it spans these really different time periods. So a lot of it is set in 2011, and some of it is set in 1968 during the Democratic National Convention in Chicago. Mm. And then we also see flashbacks of Samuel's childhood at different parts. So the storyline is a lot about the relationship between the mother and son. Mm -hmm. The mother leaves the family when he is 11, Mm. just with no notice, disappears. Mm -hmm. And so we learn more about her and why that happened and how that's affected him. And it's also a lot of commentary on society at large. Mm. One of the scenes I most loved was with a minor character, but it was talking about how he was wanting to change and become healthier and about his attempts going to a health food store these various Mm. times and the judgments he perceived there and also just these shared understandings that one group of people has that another person doesn't Mm. and that you don't even realize are there unless you're not part of it. Mm. And so he was trying to break into it and just all of his commentary on that I thought was fascinating. And I keep going back to that scene in my mind. It was a really quick read. It was 600 pages. So it seems a little bit strange to say that. Yeah. But once I was going, I was flying through it. It wasn't dense. It was so easy to read and Mm. really gripping. And you wanted to find out what was happening. And the language was really beautiful. So it didn't feel that long to me. The things I didn't like are the things I don't like about contemporary fiction in general of this genre, (laughs) which is that at times it can feel a bit arrogant and elitist Mm. and a little bit, look at me, I'm so smart making all these really intelligent observations about the world. (laughs) At the same time, he really is. And he was. And as I was reading it, I kept thinking that is really insightful. And I love this way of looking at it. So most of the time I loved it, but then I would have feelings of it being condescending. Mm -hmm. Overall, I absolutely would recommend it. Neil read it and really enjoyed it. And I have two other friends who have read it and loved it. So if in general you like that type of novel, this is an excellent one. It's really funny, really easy to read. And I do feel like there are a lot of good insights. I'm not sure. (laughs) Abby and I had a little side conversation (laughs) about this in our outline because I had put that I don't recommend it for you. (laughs) And then you said, but I loved Middlesex. (laughs) I did. Yeah, you might like it. It's not something that I would have picked out for you. Yeah. If I were to pick three friends to recommend this book to, your name would not have been one of the ones that came up. But it was a great book. So you should definitely give it a try. Okay. What have you been reading lately? I read The Bassoon King, My Life in Art, Faith, and Idiocy, which is by Rain Wilson, who played Dwight Mm. on The Office. I didn't know he had one of these books. Yeah. It's a little bit older. I think it was published in 2015. Okay. It's a pretty standard memoir, starts when he's young, describes his growing up, and chronicles his life through the present day-ish. And I listened to the audiobook, which I would definitely Mm. recommend because it's read by him. I loved hearing the stuff about The Office 
but I was also surprised by how much I liked hearing about the rest of his life and his career. Mm. There was a lot that I didn't know about him, like how much formal acting training he has had. I also didn't know that he is religious and he Mm. practices the Baha'i faith, which I didn't know much about starting out in the book at all. Mm -hmm. But it was super fascinating to hear more about that and how he went away from it as sort of a young adult and then came back to it. Mostly it was just really interesting and he is a person that I enjoyed hearing more about. Does he play the bassoon? Is that why it's called the Bassoon King? He did play the bassoon. There's a whole funny thing about how he was playing the clarinet, but then he told the band director or music teacher that he wanted to play the saxophone because that was much cooler. Mm -hmm. But really what the band needed was a bassoon. So somehow this band teacher convinced him that the bassoon was really cool. Nice. (laughs) My sister played the bassoon. She went from clarinet to bassoon. So good. (laughs) So some parts were less interesting just because I didn't grow up in the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s when he did. So he's making lists of like top 70s and 80s sitcoms that mm, didn't yeah. resonate with me at all. But that is a minor part of the book. Okay. For the most part, I would recommend it for most people, especially fans of The Office, because those stories were just really cool. But also, I think it has appeal beyond that. The Office is one of my favorite shows. And it's one of the shows that Neil and I love to watch together and to rewatch together. So I might get this book for both of us to read. Yeah. Let's start our discussion for today by talking a little about what reading books looked like in our families growing up and how that influences our ideas about reading with our kids now. So I grew up in a family of readers. My parents actually met in library school, and my mom is a public librarian. So I have a lot of memories around seeing my parents read and My mom has a ritual where she reads every night in the same spot in our living room, and she has a salty snack and a beer. (laughs) I love that. And reads her book before bed. And my dad would often be reading there in the evenings, or he'd go stand on the porch with a book and read for long stretches of time. Mm -hmm. I don't have as many memories of them reading to me, and I know that they did when I was young, but we didn't have a family culture around reading longer books. And so once I learned how to read, I have lots of memories of reading when I was younger, Mm -hmm. but not of being read to. So sorry, parents, that I have no memories of all of the hours you probably spent (laughs) reading to me when I was growing up. We owned a decent number of books in our living room. We have a really large built-in bookshelf, Mm -hmm. and we also had more large bookshelves downstairs. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember that collection growing. Mm. And it might have because I think it was a lot more of my dad's books. But we weren't a family that bought a lot of books growing up. Definitely didn't buy books for me aside from birthday and Christmas type presents. Mm -hmm. We used the library. right? And if we wanted books, we went to the library. That makes sense. So there were books in the house, but they weren't books like I don't really remember perusing them or finding things that I would want to read there. Mm -hmm. I also remember having my own library card and loving checking out large stacks of books. Mm -hmm. I especially remember that in the summer, which we talked about in our summer episode of that being a big thing I did in those hot months. I just remember waking up and I would read through a book in a series before really even getting out of bed. Those Mm -hmm. short ones where they're series that are 100 books long and you can just read it and then I'd go get breakfast and (laughs) then go on with my day. 
So it's interesting to think about how it was and then how we're doing it for our kids and how that's both the same and different. Yeah. Which I think we'll get into more in a minute. Totally. So our parents read to us a lot. We had a lot of books in the house and we also used the library a lot. I have very similar memories of summer and being so proud to have my own library card. I still remember what it looked like. And there's such a sense of ownership about having your own library card and agency that I really loved. Mm -hmm. We were definitely book buyers, too. It sounds like more than you guys were. Because I don't have memories of that at all. Yeah. So like I said, our parents read to us a lot. Do you remember reading chapter books as a family then? Like you have memories in later elementary school reading together? Yes, we did. I think... Part of that is having a younger sibling. Mm. So my sister is four years younger than I am. Mm -hmm. So we read picture books before bed for a long time, probably longer than you did because you're the youngest kid in your family. That's true. I have a lot of memories of pre-bedtime picture book reading with me, my sister, and Mm -hmm. one or the other of our parents. It's interesting to think about how sibling order (laughs) shaped our reading experiences. Right. I hadn't considered that. Yeah. But we did read chapter books as a family too. Definitely the Little House books, but I think probably other ones that I'm just not remembering. And it's interesting for me to think about it now, why it is that we didn't read chapter books. And there's so many great chapter books that I'm sure my parents would have been happy to read with me. Right. But I think a lot of what I was interested in were books my parents wouldn't have been interested in, which is something we're going to talk about. I wanted to read The Babysitter Club and (laughs) Sweet Valley, whatever. And that's not something that my parents wanted to read to me or that I wanted to read with my parents. Because even then, I knew that that wasn't maybe the most highbrow thing that I could be reading. A little bit of like (laughs) preteen drivel that you wanted to keep all to yourself. (laughs) Exactly. So thinking about how things were in your family growing up, how has that influenced how things are with your kids now or how you want them to be? I think it's a lot more how I want them to be because at this point, I feel like HP is just now at the age where he's starting to have real memories of the way that things are. Mm -hmm. So what I remember from growing up is really from the age he is on as opposed to up to this point and what we've done so far. We have not gotten the kids' library cards In Austin, I did because they limit your holds. Yeah. (laughs) Them having library cards allowed me to have more holds available. But that's not an issue here. And it's so much simpler to keep it streamlined so I can see everything our whole family checks out. (laughs) Without having to log in to multiple places. Yes. That was annoying in Austin. And Austin charged fines. So that it just was not a good situation. (laughs) (laughs) But I do all the checking out even for Neil Mm -hmm. on one card because we share so many books. And I want getting a library card to be a thing more like what you're describing, where they feel a sense of ownership. Yeah. That these are the books that I checked out and I am responsible for them. Mm-hmm. And so I want to wait till HP is just a little bit older, probably when he's really reading on his own, that he can then be choosing more of his own books and keeping track of them. Yeah. Where at this point, we're still doing all of the reading to him. Mm-hmm. I think we will also not be a book buying family, which is something... We've talked about on previous episodes Mm -hmm. that I just really love the library, especially with kids' books. You go through them so fast. Yeah. Be a really big expense to try and create your own library. 
And to put them somewhere. Yes. I mean, just because you can have a few adult books that are longer and last longer. Mm -hmm. But when we're reading upwards of 20 books a day, we don't need to have all those permanently in our house. And they get old quickly. For everybody involved. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I'm not sure where we'll land with reading chapter books aloud as they get older. HP has only recently started listening to chapter books. Mm. I would say this last summer has been a turning point where his attention span is longer and he's interested in following the story for longer. Mm -hmm. And we found a lot that he's really engaged in. And I'd like to continue that. But I also am not as big of a fan of audiobooks. Mm -hmm. It's so much slower. And I wonder if that was part of it for me growing up, too. Mm. It's slow to listen to a book. That's absolutely true. I could read four chapters in the time it took one of my parents to read me one. Mm -hmm. So it'd be interesting to chat with my parents about what their perspective is of why that was the way it was. For now, I'm really enjoying reading the chapter books to him. And I think it's great now and probably for a few years where we can read chapter books that are going to be much ahead of the level that he can comprehend with reading. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really valuable and fun as a family. Yeah. Especially once E gets a little older and can be interested in that too. At this point, I feel kind of open to just seeing how that is. Mm -hmm. I liked reading by myself growing up. I don't look back and think that was a negative thing. I have memories of all of us being in the living room, all with our own book, all reading. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's really special too, that it didn't have to be someone reading to me. Yeah, it sounds like an introvert's dream, Sarah. (laughs) That's true. I wonder if that is part of it, too. I bet. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if personality goes into it in a similar Mm. way as birth order does. Right. I had never considered that that would be part of it. Because I wonder when HP can read well on his own. Yeah, if that's just going to be his preference Mm -hmm. to be able to go read by himself. Yeah. What about with you and Plum? So I want to read as a family with Plum for sure. She already has a library card because we have the issue here of holds being limited. Mm -hmm. But I realized in anticipation of this episode that I have no idea where her library card is. Where's your sense of ownership? (laughs) Right. So that's something we'll have to remedy before she can check out books on her own. I think that we probably will read aloud for a long time with her because it's something that I enjoyed growing up. Because we likely will have another younger kid Mm -hmm. who will want to be read aloud to. And because Plum is an extrovert and enjoys sharing things, Mm -hmm. maybe in a way that an introverted child wouldn't. So it will be interesting, like you said, to sort of tune into what her preferences are as she grows up. Right. So we've talked about this a little bit, but let's talk more specifically about what reading with your kids looks like now and how it's changed since they were really little. So we read a lot with HP. His first word was actually book. Love it. And for the longest time, I would say probably up into the last six months, when he was upset or hurt, what he would ask for was to read a book. Mm. That was what calmed him down. And it was a time that he knew he was getting a parent's full attention. Mm Mm-hmm. We very strongly believe in independent play and fostering independent play. Right. Also known as me not playing with my kids. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But the thing we do together is reading. Uh And HP had a really long attention span for books, even at a young age, that he could sit and just listen to book after book after book. Mm -hmm. Things have been different with E, (laughs) second child. (laughs) Yeah. 
she still hears a lot of books because she's always been listening as we read to HP. Mm -hmm. But I would say that total number of reading hours logged with each child would reveal a large discrepancy between the two. (laughs) She still loves books, and she would also ask to read a book when she was upset. But there are fewer of those days where we just sit and read for long stretches of time Mm -hmm. that I remember doing with HP. I think part of that is our schedule's different, our rhythm's different. And she's a different kid, too. She is, although I think she would like books as much as he did, (laughs) just to be totally honest. And she still loves to read. I think part of it is that the books they read up until age two aren't that interesting for adults. Mm. So I wasn't as excited about reading those books. Yeah, going back. Right. Now that she's at the phase where she's reading books that HP is also interested in, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's actually up to our reading time with her yeah. because it's much easier for it to be whole family reading time mm-hmm. where I feel like there was a long stretch where she wasn't quite ready to sit for the longer books that he was doing, mm-hmm. but he wasn't very interested in the books she was doing. And then we defaulted to the ones that were more enjoyable to read Yeah, and she would listen to part of it and then go off and do her own thing. Mm-hmm. So right now we're at a place where they can listen to the same books, which is great. Mm-hmm. If we're doing chapter books, E will sit and listen with us for a while, but it's definitely above her level and she will get bored if there are no pictures for her to look at and wander off somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we're in a really great sweet spot where they both love to listen to books and they generally can share the same books. Yeah. The chapter books we do with HP, we're actually reading those mostly after E goes to sleep Mm. because she goes to bed an hour before. Mm -hmm. So we're mostly doing the chapter books in that hour. And then before that, we're reading books that they both like. Nice. The other thing we did is when HP was little, we had a really strict only one book at bedtime rule. (laughs) Part of that is that we were reading so much during the rest of the day that Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like we needed to make that a priority in the evening. Mm Mm-hmm. And what was a priority was my kid going to sleep and for me to be done with parenting for the day. (laughs) Yep. And he had loved to read so much that I knew if it wasn't a really firm rule that it would end up being one more book and one more book and one more book. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to say no to that because you want your kid to want to read and you don't want to squelch that desire in them. But I also needed to protect our hard bedtime limit. Yeah. And for us, that really worked. We've been more flexible with E because I do feel like she's getting read to less during the day. Mm -hmm. So we've been doing more books with her. Yeah. With Plum, she's always been pretty attentive to books. Even as a little baby, she would watch the board books all the way through. And because we try and foster the independent play, Mm -hmm. if she wants interaction, she asks for books because she knows that that's how it works. That's what my kids did, too. So we read a lot of books throughout the day. I have made a limit that I don't read the same book twice in one day. Oh, interesting. Because Mm -hmm. early on, she just wanted to hear Moo Ba La 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 or Barnyard Dance over and over. Mm -hmm. And that was the sort of mind-numbing, semi-torturous thing that made me feel resentful of parenting. And so in order to make a boundary so that I wouldn't feel resentful, I said, we've already read that one today. If you pick a different book, I'll read it. Does Andrew have the same one? Or if he comes, can you get some repeats in? He doesn't. He will repeat books and her sitters will repeat books. That's just a mama rule. (laughs) So 
we have read a lot throughout her day, her whole life, basically. We also read a pretty big stack of books right before nap. I found out recently that that concentrated time right before nap helps her sleep longer, Mm -hmm. or at least it seems correlated. Mm -hmm. So having 20 to 30 minutes solid book reading right before nap really helps her rest well, or at least it seems to. It makes sense, though. It's easier to go into a room by yourself if you feel like you just had a lot of interaction, as opposed to feeling like, wait a minute, I feel like I haven't gotten what I needed. Exactly. And Andrew does the bedtime routine, and I think he's started to do more books at bedtime. For a while, we were doing just two books at bedtime because she would melt down at the end of the day. But as her sleep has sort of shifted, she's losing it less at bedtime. Mm -hmm. And so it's fine to do more. And she does push it. And she holds up her little pointer finger, which is adorable and sometimes hard to resist. But for the most part, if she is not melting down, we roll with it. It has been great as she's gotten older and can sit through longer books. And we can read books that are more interesting for adults. Mm -hmm. I think that has changed our reading life for the better because I was happy to read board books, but I like it much more to read something that's a little bit more interesting. Yes. Do you feel like there's any seasonality to the reading in your family? I think so. I think that it definitely goes with where she is developmentally. Like when she was figuring out walking and other gross motor things, I think we read a little bit less. Mm -hmm. And now it feels like we're moving into a slightly clingier time where she Mm -hmm. is wanting to read more. Yeah. What about you? I feel like we read so much more in the winter than we do in the summer. In the summer, it's so nice to be outside. And I feel like a lot of the free time is just they're out playing in the backyard or we're at the park. Mm -hmm. We're in the winter. There are fewer options. Mm -hmm. And I find that we go through so many more books then. Yeah. Which is fine. It may not be balanced on a daily, weekly, or even monthly schedule, but that it is balanced overall. Mm -hmm. And... I kind of like the idea of associating reading with being cozy and the darkness of winter and looking inward. Absolutely. I like that for me as an adult. So I also like the idea of potentially fostering that in our kids to associate winter with this really positive time we're spending together. It's interesting because when you said seasonally, I was thinking obviously not the seasons of nature. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because Plum has just now been under her own steam. Right. Last winter, she wasn't even really crawling. And so it was really different in terms of what she could choose for herself. Mm -hmm. And so I'll pay attention to that as we go into fall and winter this year and see what it feels like if it gets a little cozier. And then, you know, as spring comes again, whether we both have this desire to be more outward and in the world and Mm -hmm. playing outside. And I've noticed it developmentally in my kids, too, that there are times unrelated to the actual seasons where they have a greater or lesser interest in books. Yeah. So how do you find books to read with your kids, Sarah? We rely very heavily on the library. Yeah. When we walk into the library here, there's a really big shelf where they have picture books stood up so you can see the covers. Mm -hmm. And it's a fairly long shelf with 
three levels and tons of books out. And then some actually put the regular way at the top of each shelf too, so that there's even more choices. Mm -hmm. And they're usually by themes on each one. So they'll have some related to a holiday that's coming up or a season or bedtime books. So they're somewhat grouped by theme. Mm -hmm. And it's also where the new ones are. We get a lot of books just walking down that row and the kids will say oh I want this one I want this one and I'll look at ones that I think they'll like and honestly before we even really make it all the way in we have a giant stack of books Mm -hmm. and they aren't vetted for us in that way (laughs) aside from the fact that the librarians are choosing which ones go out there so I feel like there is some quality control in that and there are a decent number of duds when we do that (laughs) yeah but we also find a lot of great books that way and Once we find ones we like, we can zero in on that author and find more that they have written. Mm -hmm. We have also had a lot of success asking the librarians, especially if there's a specific topic. Yeah. My kindergartner is interested in building. What books do you have about how to build structures? Mm -hmm. And then they'll look up things that are age appropriate that he'd be interested in. Or we're looking for books that talk about race. Mm -hmm. What do you have that's good for a three-year-old? What do you have that's good for a five-year-old? Right. I have found that they are so happy to help, especially when you offer them some direction. Yeah, really specific. Right. So random book grabs at the library, (laughs) talking to librarians. And we've also consulted some lists of best books for kindergartners Mm -hmm. or award-winning children's books. And then we can place them on hold and just pick them all up. Right. Now it hasn't been as stressful to actually be in the stacks looking for books. But even this time last year, that was so overwhelming with a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Right. And you're carrying a massive amount of books (laughs) and you're wanting to go from place to place to find things. That's why we relied so heavily on the shelf walking in. It's like, all right, yep, grab them. Okay, now we can go play. Right. Without doing this detailed search. And so now that they're older, it's been easier to spend more time in the stacks finding specific books. But before Mm -hmm. that, holds are amazing. Right. One thing that our family found challenging for finding picture books was Neil got really frustrated with how many books for kids are about motorized vehicles, Mm -hmm. trucks and cars and construction equipment. Mm -hmm. And he kept saying, where are the books about bikes? Where are the books about families biking? So Neil being Neil made one. (laughs) Took matters into his own hands. He did. So he created a book called Biking with Mom and has a nice little rhyming scheme, did all of the illustrations, and made it into a cloth book. And that's become one of our go-to gifts for people. He's actually created three different books, is to create one for a friend who has a new baby. Yeah. We're proud owners of Camping Day, Mm -hmm. one of the Copper originals. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? So in the early days, we relied mostly on books we'd been given as gifts. We liked the indestructible books with animals in them for really early. Mm. And those books are awesome because they're super flat. So they were easy to take with us. They're also good because I feel like most babies go through a time period where they would rather eat the books than look at them. And that way they don't get any cardboard. (laughs) I had never seen those until E was maybe one, Mm -hmm. which she was still in a book destroying type mindset at that point but Uh not quite as much as she was even a few months before and I wish I had known about them sooner because they're great yeah they are so once we wore out on gift books 
we started going to the library and our library has an awesome selection of board books, including lots about cats, which is one of Plum's favorites, and other babies. So she loves the books Mm. with the baby faces in them. Yes. And we have a couple like that, but I was not interested in having a million of those. So it was so great to have the library to find more like that. I mostly stuck with the board book selection as it was presented to us until really recently and basically just picked ones that looked like they had at least a little bit of a narrative and weren't just one word to a page, right? which can be pretty dull. I recently started putting picture books on hold and also branching out to books with real pages because she's less in ripping mode Mm -hmm. now and loves books so much that it seemed like she was ready to kind of go beyond. And I also have found the librarians to be so helpful. As I previously discussed, Plum is obsessed with buses. And so recently I asked a librarian, I need toddler appropriate books about buses. They found some awesome ones for us. I think we're in kind of a tricky time where she's moved beyond a lot of board books in terms of how interesting Mm -hmm. the story is. But then when you go to picture books, there can be a pretty wide range of how many words are on the page and how complicated the story is and how interesting it is to a toddler. Yes. So we've had more misses lately as we've gone into picture books. Mm -hmm. But the librarians have been helpful with that too in terms of reading level and finding the right thing. And another resource that I wanted to mention is the website Raising Race Conscious Children. Mm -hmm. And that's been really good for my parenting in general. And a lot of what they talk about on that site is naming race with kids even really early. Mm -hmm. And there have been a lot of good book suggestions there about books that incorporate diversity and allow you to sort of start to have those conversations with your kids. So that's another one that's been really good. Another resource we have used mm-hmm. is A Mighty Girl, which oh, so has yeah. really strong female characters, because that's something I noticed really early is so many characters in books for young children are male, right. even when they're animals, that the default is for them to be boys right. as opposed to girls. And I really wanted both my kids, but when I was first dealing with this, it was just with HP, mm-hmm. I wanted him to be exposed to lots of strong female characters in the books that he was reading. Right. I change the gender of pronouns a lot in books. Mm. So Plum likes vehicles, so we're reading a lot of truck books, and most trucks are men in books, but when I read them, I just change it all to she, and I think Andrew doesn't do that, so she gets both, which is perfect. Yeah. The other thing that I'll say that sort of a library tip that I don't know if I heard this somewhere else. I don't think that I thought of it myself, but I limit the number of books to a number that's easy to remember. So whether that's 10, 15, 20 that we're getting from the library so that when it's time to take them back, I don't have to remember what specific ones they are, especially since we're using two different library systems. Mm. I just remember we have 15 from each place right now. Yes. And then I can say, okay, we're still missing three. We need to look somewhere else in our house. And that has been really helpful in not having to log onto my account and figure out what they are. I have heard that tip as well, but we do not use that. (laughs) We get too many books from the library, I think, where it's an overload for us. Uh But there's so many that are duds at first that, you know, the first time through, 
oh, this isn't a keeper, and we put it back. But at our library, there's no fines for children's books. Oh, awesome. So there's less pressure (laughs) to be on top of that. We go so often to the library that every time I go, I'm taking a lot. I think it would be hard for me to stick to that system because a lot of times my kids want to keep some of the books and Mm -hmm. want to return others. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know that we could do a full... We're taking these all back and getting all new books because so many of them, they want to keep rereading. Yeah, that's such a good point that this may not work as Plum gets older. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what are you looking forward to as your kids get older and change as readers? I'm really excited for when they're able to read independently. HP right now is starting to get all of the pieces for reading, Mm -hmm. but is not reading at the moment. And I just remember how much joy I got from that as a kid, using it as an escape, being able to explore all these ideas. I'm just excited for him to be able to do that. So I'm looking forward to him being able to seek out his own literary worlds and to see what direction he goes with that too. Mm -hmm. What kind of books is he going to want to read as he gets older? Yeah. I'm really curious and excited to see where that goes. And same with E, but HP is just the one that's much closer to that being a reality. So that's in the more immediate future. Mm -hmm. I'm also excited to be able to read some of the same books when he's older. Yeah. I really like reading YA fiction. Me too. (laughs) So once they get older, I feel like we could read some of the same books and talk about them. I don't know if my kids will be interested in that or not. I'm not sure if I would have wanted to have an informal book club with my parents around the books I was reading as a middle schooler and teenager, but I have hopes that that might be a reality in our lives. I think family book club sounds really fun. I think so, too. And Neil likes reading YA, too. We can all read the same book and pass it around the family and chat about it. That sounds great. What about you? I'm really looking forward to reading Harry Potter with Plum. I know that Andrew is looking forward to reading Lord of the Rings aloud with her. Mm, mm -hmm. And, you know, just a lot of the things you said, seeing her read on her own and figure out what she likes, just come into herself as a reader will be really awesome. When do you think you will try and start Harry Potter with her? Well, we have been gifted the beautiful illustrated editions of the first and second Harry Potter books Mm -hmm. and they come out with a new one every year so the third book is coming out this year and I think with the illustrations it might go a little bit younger at least the earlier books Mm -hmm. but then I also worry about when the books get intense and scary Mm -hmm. that's something we still haven't decided yet I've heard people say that they start at 11 Mm -hmm. when Harry is 11 and going to Hogwarts that that would be a good time. But that seems really long from now. And then if we have a younger kid, are we going to just read it to Plum and not Mm -hmm. to another kid too? And so we'll just have to see. And we'll have to see her temperament too. I think some people are really strongly affected by scary things in books and some people are less so. And so just have to see what happens. I feel like I want to wait until HP could just read them on his own Mm -hmm. and be at a level where he could go through all of them. Yeah. Partly because I have such fond memories of reading them on my own. This is probably why my parents didn't read to me. I did not want to be read to (laughs) (laughs) once I could read on my own. But I don't think I would want to read Harry Potter aloud with my kids because I would want them to have that experience themselves. Because to me, that experience was so special. And I guess I don't enjoy 
being read to or to be totally honest, I don't enjoy reading out loud. Is that okay to say on our podcast? Totally. It's not my favorite thing. I like reading with my kids and I like sitting down with them and exploring books. I love that they're interested in them. But if I could choose the top three things I wanted to be doing one evening, reading aloud would be on there as a thing for connecting with my kids. But in terms of pure enjoyment for me, yeah. it would not be on there. Interesting. Confessions. Yeah, I think I enjoy reading aloud <laughs> much more than you do, Sarah. Yeah. And I think part of it is that it's slow. And I think part of the reason I like reading it myself and I have trouble with audiobooks is the readers are usually not how I imagine them to be mm -hmm. and not how I would do it in my head. And I can't go back to the parts that I want to go back to. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have more control when I'm reading the book and less control if I'm being read to either via audiobook or if someone were actually reading to me. Hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how my kids feel because maybe they'll really love it. And if they do, I would want to continue because it is a way I like connecting with my children. Mm -hmm. But if they're like me, they may not want to. <laughs> no, they just want to go on their own. Especially when things are really emotional. So like Harry Potter or mm -hmm. some other books I loved as a kid, I wanted to experience that intensity of emotion privately. Hmm. Like I wouldn't have wanted to cry in front of my parents while we were reading a book. Hmm. I feel like that would have taken away from the experience to me. That is so interesting because <laughs> when I'm imagining that, I love the idea of sharing the emotion of a book with my family. Mm. So... Is that yeah. a personality <laughs> thing or I'm not sure, but I love hearing your perspective about it. Listeners chime in on how you really feel about reading aloud and being read to as a kid. Yeah, we would love to hear that. We are going to finish up by talking about our favorite books from childhood. And we're also going to include a list of favorite books that our kids have loved and we have loved reading with them grouped by age on our website. So the one that stands out to me is Bridge to Terabithia by Katherine Patterson. So good. And I remember reading this book over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And it's a book I still own, which mm. I don't own many books. That's really special. I almost donated it to a friend's school, and then I couldn't do it because I love it so much <laughs> and I want to keep it. I think this started my love affair with books that are depressing and deal with really hard topics uh -huh. and connecting to those emotions and that it's hard to be human and really horrible things happen mm -hmm. and being able to explore those ideas through books in what felt like a really safe place. Mm -hmm. I would say that was the most formative book for me in terms of reading growing up. Other than that, I don't have very specific memories of books. I read a lot of series. I loved Boxcar Children. I loved The Sweet Valley Kids, all the Babysitter Club books. And wasn't there Babysitter Club Kids or something before that? I think there were, yeah, Junior or something like that. Yeah, I read those. I loved books about horses, the Thoroughbred series and the Saddle Club series. <laughs> Some of these were more of my guilty pleasure books right. where... I was reading these and I'd read them a lot in the summer. They're not books I would have brought to school that I would want other people to know I was reading necessarily because I think I read them long past when it was potentially age appropriate. <laughs> so I have those two books dealing with grief in Bridge to Terabithia and then fluff books. Yes. <laughs> and I still love both of those kind of books. I still love reading fluff that's easy and fun and just for pleasure. And then I also love really depressing hard books. So 
guess my reading tastes have not changed much. What about you? Two of my favorite picture books from growing up are Roxaboxin by Alice McLaren. My sister bought this one for Plum, but she's not quite ready to read it yet. And then Bootsy Barker Bites by Barbara Botner, which is a picture book about coping with bullying. Mm-hmm. It's totally awesome. So I'm looking forward to reading those with Plum. And then I mentioned this book, I think in our reading episode, my favorite ever chapter book from growing up was Ellen Enchanted by Gail Carson Levine. And I still own this one. My copy is in tatters. Basically, it's been taped back together a whole bunch. <laughs> so it's a comfort read for me and one that I am very excited to share with Plum. Listeners, we would love to hear your suggestions for finding children's books, favorite books for all ages of young readers, and how your reading life looks these days, whether you have kids in it or not. Now we're going to end like we always do by talking about what we've been eating. The food I have been eating is German potato salad. This came about because we had an Oktoberfest party at our house a couple weeks ago. Mm. Andrew brewed a lot of amazing beer for it. In the past, I have made this German potato salad, but we were trying to minimize our work in advance of the party, and we always do it potluck style. So when our neighbor was asking what she should bring, I sent her this recipe. It came out amazing, as food always does when someone else is cooking it for you. (laughs) Plus, it's a good recipe, which we'll share in the show notes. German potato salad is this bacony, vinegary, really amazing, warm dish. Mm -hmm. So it's perfect for fall, and I just love it. I do too. I have a lot of memories of eating German potato salad growing up Mm. as my grandmother was German. Right. It was delicious. What have you been eating, Sarah? My food is right on theme. For Oktoberfest. Yes. I made sauerkraut. I'm so interested to hear about this. Well, we'll see. I'll have to report back (laughs) on a later episode. So... A couple weeks ago, a neighbor and I were planning to get together, and she suggested that we make sauerkraut as our activity. And I thought, okay. So fun. (laughs) I have cabbage that's just been sitting in my drawer for my CSA that I have no idea what to do with. Yeah. Because Neil doesn't like coleslaw, and if you make coleslaw with the cabbage, you have so much coleslaw. (laughs) I do like coleslaw, and I go through it, but I cannot eat a whole cabbage worth before it goes bad. Lucky for me, cabbage lasts a long time as it had been sitting there for a while. (laughs) We followed the recipe from Wild Fermentation by Sandor Katz. And it was very simple. Just chop it up, add salt, massage it until all the juices and liquid comes out. And then Mm -hmm. the trick is that you have to get the air out of it Mm -hmm. and then keep the air out. Mm. And so we used a bag of salt water on top to make sure that all the cabbage stayed underneath the brine. Mm -hmm. I tried it about a week ago. Not quite sure. Tasted very salty. Mm. I checked in with the other people who made it. They said they weren't sure about theirs either. (laughs) I think we're going to get together in a week and try and make apple soda and or ginger beer. Mm. And then we're going to have a tasting party of the sauerkrauts to determine how well we did. How edible they are. Yes, because I've made sauerkraut once before, and it tasted like there was definitely some kind of growth. (laughs) I mean, you're supposed to have. You're supposed to have some activity, right? 
Yes. So there was activity, but it may not have been the kind that was desired. Yeah. I think what I need is the type of lid or crock that allows the air to come out Mm. and like keeps it sealed in a special way. Mm -hmm. And I have not invested in that yet. So yeah, I'll have to report back. But right now it's sitting on my counter and it does make me feel very accomplished to at least have done something with the cabbage. (laughs) I love it. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. Don't forget to enter our Instant Pot giveaway at our website, friendlierpodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram at friendlierpodcast or email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with someone you think would like it. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. Okay, so we have been talking for a million years. I know. Oh my God, I just remembered something about a diaper change. <laughs> Speaking of. I have to text the babysitter. <laughs> Mother of the year. Did I say that in a weird enough way that it's going to make it weird to edit? I don't know. <laughs> okay, let me say it again. We'll just have to see. <laughs>